is New Zealand Property Management Podcast brought to you by RealIQ with your host, Dan Faulkner. Hello and welcome to another edition of the New Zealand Property Management Podcast. Here we are, still in lockdown, but hopefully now uh, for the last week as the level four restrictions are going to be lifted and this time next week, we'll be able to order Uber Eats again and we'll be able to drive through McDonald's. And to celebrate this, we've got uh, an old friend of uh, Real IQ and the Property Management uh, Podcast and we interviewed him a while ago, a few years ago, when he was doing business development at Tommy's Property Management. He's now doing real estate at Tommy's and he's absolutely killing it as well. Jack Vale, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to the uh, to the Uber Eats just as much as you are, I think. But um, yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah, it's been it's been tough going, hasn't it? Never mind. Who's in your bubble, mate? Who have you been spending time with in your bubble? Yes, yeah, so I've chosen to spend the bubble with the family. Um, thought it would be a good idea at the time. Jury's still out on that, but um, we are chipping away. You get to know a lot about the people that you live with in the bubble. But um, no, it's been good. It's been nice to actually take a bit of a break and, and get some time with the family and, uh, and enjoy that. I guess. Are you are you getting a bit frustrated now? You wanted to get back into it, get back into the whole real estate work. Yeah, I think when you work as much as we do, um, and you sort of spend as much time in the job as, as we do, it's uh, it's a big chunk of your life that's changed. So I'm certainly looking forward to getting back into it and, uh, and seeing what we can do. So I mean, you've had a quite a distinguished career, and how long have you been in sales now, Jack? Since uh, you, you switched from property management. Probably just over a year now, probably about 12, 13 months. And without going into dollar for dollar, you know, in comparison to what you're earning uh, as a BDM compared to what you're earning in real estate, has there been a, a, a marked difference or, or how's that been? Yeah, look, it's noticeable. I mean, you obviously deal with larger sums, aren't you, in terms of um, the property values that are out there instead of renting a place for $700 a week, you're potentially selling it for upwards of a million and potentially more. So it's been exciting and it's uh, obviously hard work and the deals are potentially not as often as they are in business development, which is a a mental challenge. Um, But yeah, look, it's great and um, certainly an industry which is very exciting for me. So, I mean, this is one of the big questions that I've always, you know, we've, we've looked at and we explore um, within the property management industry long term uh, is a, a long term career as a BDM in property management or do you think that you know like what you've done you've gone down the sales path where you can earn more money from commissions with bigger commissions mm. I mean w- what's your take on it I think it just depends doesn't it really it's, I mean it's horses for courses um, and a lot of people out there probably don't want to do real estate. Real estate can be really, really challenging. It's seven days a week. It's a lot of late nights. Um, it's a lot of early mornings. You sort of got to be um, available at, at all times, whether that's the phone or the emails, or, or you know, if someone wants to put an offer together at you know, eight o'clock at night. Then you run out and you grab the offer. And uh, it's it's certainly a really interesting challenge, but that's not for everyone. I mean, um, it's probably more of a lifestyle balance and business development. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, while potentially commissions are, are, are higher in, in real estate, it does come with a couple of additional sacrifices that you probably don't get in the business development role. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've been working there with um, one of the, one of you know, New Zealand's most recognised 
um, real estate agents really who's been helping you along from that from the early stages of your career in real estate we're talking about Nikki Cruikshank here I mean how supportive I mean how much of an influence has she been no no, no doubt she's got to hear this you've got to obviously say good things about her but you know how much of an influence has she been on your career yeah, Nick's huge. Um, she's, she's brilliant. She's one of the most genuine people that you can deal with and you never struggle to, to figure out where you stand with her, which is great. Um, but she keeps you working hard and, and keeps you honest. Um, and I mean, look, I sit next to her in the office every single day. I'm really fortunate to, to be able to do that. Um, so just hearing the way that she conducts herself over the phone, watching the way that she manages other things, manages the properties she's got on the market and, and how she sells them and, and tells them religiously for a great price. Um, it has been really, really good to watch. Um, and you've certainly learned a lot and you sort of feel like you're, you're learning every day when you're next to Nikki. And one of the key things, you know, that, which stick in your mind that she does that stands out, um, which you're adapting into, to, you know, because your career, because, I mean, we're still relatively young yeah. in, in your sales career, whether it's property management, real estate. What are the key things that you've learned from Nikki? She's one of the hardest workers I think I've ever met. Um, the woman doesn't stop. She's she's a machine, um, and it's it's really nice to watch. She works really hard. She's been doing it for you know, 16, 17 years now. You would have thought that she'd potentially take the foot off the gas a little bit, but that's certainly not the case. If anything, the, the foot's down probably harder than it has been um, before. So she works really hard, which is obviously really easy to replicate. Um, she's also really diligent and honest with people. If she commits to doing something, she'll do it the best way that she possibly can for you. Um, and, and that's obviously something that I've, I've taken away is just to be as genuine as possible as you, think, or as you can be with people. Be honest with them. And if people feel like they're trying to be sold to, or if people feel like they're trying to be manipulated, they often um, be less inclined to, to, to go with you. And Nick's just brilliant at, at being genuine and, and being herself, really. Yeah, so just looking the, the vendor, the purchaser in the eye, and just being absolutely straight, you know, being realistic on price, on expectations, yeah. all those types of things. Is that what you're saying? I think that's it. Like you've got to be able to, to look people in the eye and say, "I know I can do this job for you," and you've got to give them the confidence to, to do that. Um, but as well, you, you sort of can't just tell them what they want to hear. Um, you've got to be honest with people, and, and people value that and appreciate that, and it makes everyone's life easier for them on the track again. Yeah. Now, if we step back now, back into your early days in, in, in property management. I mean, I remember meeting you for the first time and you know you could see that we've got a rough diamond here you come in you're chewing gum in your interview you've got your glasses on your top of your head and you're telling me how much you, you, you love being told to basically told to F off when you're doing door sales and, and how much you enjoyed it I thought my god this guy's going to be brilliant what you know from those early days in, 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 in uh, property management what are the skills that you've been able to transfer across um, into sales and, and what are the, the yeah. you know, the, the, there's obviously got to be a lot of similarities. It's, it's huge in the number of similarities. It's brilliant. Um, it's, business development has obviously given me the, the framework that I've now taken into real estate and hopefully that continues to, to work the way it has been. Um, I think to, to bring it back, as I said, it used to work on the doors and door-to-door sales was something which you'd, you'd knock on someone's door and you'd have a five-minute interaction with them and they'd buy something or they wouldn't. I think the thing that business development taught me is it's a lot more account management, it's a lot more database management, it's a lot more of a long-term game, and that's exactly the same in, in sales as well. 
meeting potentially yourself now as a potential vendor, but there's every chance that you're probably not moving for, for two to three, four years. And, and similarly, you, you know, you might be in a contract with your current tenants and not willing to make a decision on the property manager for another six months or, or a year. So it's taught me a lot of account management, a lot of database skills, um, how to keep in touch with people which is, is brilliant and then I guess just the way that the property industry works in general um, when I got into business development I was brand new to property I'd never done anything in it before um, so understanding the way that that industry works and then being able to take that into the sales environment has been been huge yeah I mean so when you talk about account management because I actually remember one of the first appraisals that you actually did and I remember thinking to myself that Christ this guy's trying to get to convert this guy you know within three four minutes and when you're talking about a some times a million dollar asset that you're taking to be managed yeah. it's a long game isn't it and is that's what you're talking about in terms of account management what are the things you do to keep in touch Jack yeah it's probably the, the biggest um, the biggest thing for me is keeping in touch with people as you say when you have that first interaction you, you can't push for sales and, and you can't um, sort of alienate people straight away so when you've got them it's about sort of ringing them every now and then making sure that um, you're keeping them up to date with what's going on in the market making sure that you are personable when you do that often just ringing to check in and find out how they are um, can be something that's really good if you care about the people that you're dealing with that, that comes across um, and, and people value that um, so just ringing checking in how they're getting on the lockdown has been great um, you know just a couple of phone calls is, is a nice excuse to ring people and say hey hey how are you getting on is there anything that I can, can potentially do to help um, and then little things you know if you've got um, another deal that you've done in that area um, hey just I'd like to let you know just done a deal down the road that might be of interest to you um, how are you getting on with your place basic things like that just small little touch points that, that aren't overly salesy if you like and yeah. overly pushy but just keep you at the front of their mind when it does come to making a decision that at least then you get called back in for an appraisal I mean, I think you touch a good point there, Jack. I mean, in, and particularly in an environment like we're in at the moment, you can't be too pushy, can you? Because you, you, you probably come across as, as showing a lack of sensitivity and you don't know what position yeah. people are in. And you may be seen as being almost like a bit of a parasite. Um, I saw a video, um, a real estate institute video done from an ex-colleague of mine, a guy called Ritesh Verma at Property Brokers, who I'd have to say he'd be one of the best real estate agents I've ever seen and he had the most expensive phone bill at property brokers but he also absolutely wiped the floor um, every year with the awards and this is him in Wanganui I mean if he was in somewhere like Parnell or Remuera God almighty who knows what he would earn what have you been doing um, particularly in this uh, lockdown period with, with your clientele um, you know how often are you calling them because you don't want to be on the phone every five minutes soon because they'll just think that you you know what what strategies have you taken yeah correct so the food salesmen always sort of find a, a, a blurry line between being pushy and just offering a really good service and you can often get caught on the wrong side of it if you're trying to ring people too many times and, and over service them you can come across as a little bit pushy so you do have to be careful with that i think during the lockdown it's it's been a, a much more laid back approach if you like um the vendors whose house you've got on the market it's probably been two three days every two or three days that i'll be giving them the ring just keeping them in the loop of hey if i've had any inquiries um what's coming where we're at with with certain people that are, are potentially looking at the house with purchases a lot less um and it's a lot more sort of 
softer contact. So, I mean, we're really lucky at Tommy's. We've got a brilliant marketing team. Um, we've got a brilliant management team. So we've managed to create word searches, property-based word searches, or you know, an Easter egg hunt for them to, to do, or um, you know, colouring and things and things like that. So that's been quite a nice way to just find it out to people for email and just say, hey, you know, if, if you're stuck in the house with kids and you're struggling with some things to do, get this printed and, and give them you know, an activity yeah. for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's it's not actually asking for anything, but, but just giving something, giving some of them value. I mean, can we come back a little bit now? And you mentioned before when you talked about account management, then you talked about database management. What do you mean yeah. by that? And what particular tools do you use in terms of database management? Yeah, so we use a system called Property Suite. Um, when I was working with the property management team, we had a system called HubSpot. Essentially, it's just a big CRM. Um, it's a way that keeps people in a in a bubble, if you like, for want of a better term, um, and lets you know when you're looking to, to call them back, um, what contact you've had with them previously, and potentially what stage of, of any deal you might be at. Um, so if I could use you as, as an example, David, it might be um, rang David Popner on X day to X time, discuss his property which short advertise on trade So that's the first cold call that you, that you might make. You record that and then you set yourself a reminder for two weeks or whenever you said you'd call him back. And then in two weeks' time, that reminder comes up, you give him another ring and say, hey, David, how are you going? Obviously, spoke two weeks ago. So it's just a really nice way to structure, yeah, um, I guess if you like your prospecting and your database management, it means you're doing what you say you're going to do if you sell them that you're doing back in, in two weeks. But you've also got and then a list of every single day of people that you can call. And as you put more into the top end of the pipeline, you've got more and more reminders every day and you get to the point where you've essentially got 30, 40, maybe even 50 people a day to, to ring in and touch base with. So this is also this. So this is a combination of what I can see. A couple of things that hey, you've learned from Nicky Crookshank. If you've got to call someone, you've got to call them. If you say you've got to be in touch, you've got to be in touch. But also, what you're doing, you're putting a lot of people into almost like a funnel, which comes that long term that account management game. So they ain't going to be buyers or, or landlords straight away, but they're going to feed through the funnel, and at some point, you're going to get them. That's the strategy. Essentially, yeah. I mean, look, I always look at it and say we're in a, in a connections business and that's connections between people in your Twitter network, connections with purchasers, buyers, landlords, whatever it might be. If someone doesn't like you, they're not going to do business with you. And that's as, as simple as it is. And unfortunately, the way that things work in the world, not everyone's going to like you. Um, but the more people that you can sort of rely on and know if you've got a great referral network, you put more on top of that funnel and then you're eventually going to be able to shake more out the bottom of it. So can we talk about you know, not everyone's going to like you. And this is where I think a lot of people get trip over on like business development and, and, and sales. It's that, yeah. it's that objection. It's that damaged ego. It, it's, and, and I also have this theory around why we're, as an industry, I mean, this has probably been one of the best things to the property management industry because it's forced property managers to pick up the phone and talk to landlords and talk to tenants. A lot of the times they're scared of yeah. phoning landlords. I mean, what do you think are, A, the biggest way of getting over that, uh, and, and what causes it? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's hard hearing the word no, it's hard being told that someone's not interested in you, and you think, why are you not interested in me? I'm not really interested. But at the end of the day, it's, it's never a personal thing, um, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that you realise early on. I've had a lot of people say no, and in six months' time, ring me and say, 
hands that, that offer for a free appraisal still on the table. Um, and I think the, the easiest way to get over that fear of rejection is just to get rejected, um, which sounds really strange. But the more you get rejected, the more you realise that it, you're not going to end up in a hospital bed. No one's ever died from the word no. Um, it, it is what it is, and you've just got to be brave and, and have a crack, really. You know, I mean, I can see who's looking on live on Facebook because we're doing this live on Facebook, and I can see Charlotte Murphy is watching, and she's with the rent shop up in in, in South Auckland, and and she's got a great yeah. story about how she started and how she was in tears on on almost the first day when she's been told pick up the phone and calling people and people have been rude to her or whatever, and her boss there, Alex Watson, just said, "Keep going, keep going, keep going." Yeah. Is it about building that resolve that? You can, you know, it becomes like water off a duck's back if someone even tells you to where to go is is rude to you. Well, it is, but I also think it's a little bit of sort of understanding in that no matter what you do, the first time you do it, you're not going to be great at it. Um, I remember the first door that I ever knocked on. We were selling power for Contact Energy, and knocked on the door, and I could feel my knees shaking as I heard the person walking towards the door. And I think I squeaked out half a pitch, and they told me no, and shut the door in my face, and I walked off. But the second door, I was much more confident the knees weren't shaking, but the voice was still high pitched, but the knees weren't shaking. And it's just a case of the more you get used to it, the better you're going to be at it. So you've got to do more of it to get better. Uh, You you can't just sort of expect to pick up the phone, ring the first person, they say, yes, you've signed them up, made a commission and pop the champagne sort of thing. It's it's something that you've really got to put time and effort into at home. I mean, this may be a difficult question to answer, Jack. I, I mean, I don't know, but when you look at conversion rates from appraisals, what would you look at, whether it's sales, whether it's property management, what do you look at being yeah. a, a good conversion rate for listing presentations that you that you undertake? Probably depends how well you qualify um, and how you measure that. So uh, as a great example would be, David, if you rang me today and you said like an appraisal and I just whistle straight around to your house and do an appraisal and then at the appraisal find out that you're probably not looking to rent your house for another two years mm. then that would obviously impact the stats when you're qualifying people it's important to understand straight away sort of when they're looking to make a decision things like that so you can actually then factor that in so if you've got a more qualified lead if you told me that you were ready to rent your house out tomorrow I'd be straight up there today um, if you said you know I'm potentially looking at renting it out in six months to a year I'd just be more educating you and say well look of course I'd love to come and do an appraisal but perhaps I could take you for a copy instead and I could just explain a little bit about how we work and then when the market's more suitable to the time that you're going to be making a decision in I could pop up have a look at your place and, and give you an accurate appraisal rather than give information now which is going to be out of date in a year's time and, and waste both of our time so how do you get that information Jack I mean this, this is basic stuff here but it's very helpful for anyone who's new as a BDM uh, coming on board how can you extract that information because you know sometimes it, the phone goes it's a new lead and the excitement the adrenaline gets pumping what can you do to just calm yourself yeah. down and get that leading information to know how serious this person particularly is I think the first thing for me with any phone call is rapport building. Um, I want to, to build a little bit of rapport, build up a little bit of empathy with that client and try and understand a bit more about their situation before I try and sell them anything. Um, as you know, mate, the wonderful thing about property management is that there's lots of different applications to it. So if someone's overseas, it's got a different meaning to them having a property manager. If someone's living in the city where they've got a couple of investment properties but have struggled to get from two investment properties to four or five. 
how we sell our product to those two individual clients is, is very, very different. And so it's about understanding their situation as best you can. Probably the easiest way is just ask a lot of questions. Um, try and sort of put your personality into it to start with so they feel comfortable and you've got a bit of buy-in from them. Um, and then just ask questions. What's your personal situation in terms of why you went in the house? How many bedrooms is it? Tell me a bit about the house. That sort of thing. Uh, and, and, and once you've kind of you've got those leadings, you've got the appointment, you've got the appraisal, you've got the appointment. I mean, do you just do you forget about it until you turn up, or do you do any background work potentially on on who that person is? What do you do? Yeah, it's, it's, that's actually a really good question. It kind of just depends on the conversation you've had in the phone call. If you've had a really good phone call, you probably don't need to do too much homework per se. Um, you should know by the end of that phone call when you've booked in the appraisal, how many bedrooms you're looking at, how many bathrooms you're looking at, um, what suburb it's in, obviously, if you've got the address. Have they rented it before? Um, if they rented it before, did they use a property manager? Those sorts of things. So you should basically have a, a really clear picture by the time you're going up to a place of what situation you're walking into. Um, obviously, if you don't, then it comes down to doing that homework, doing that research, looking at similar listings potentially online, so you've got a bit of an understanding of what the rough guideline is. It's probably going to be the first question you ask is, what do I think it's worth? Yeah, I mean... Um, I and, mean and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you know, you, you there touched on before about the importance of finding out whether they've used the property manager before or, or whether... Because what you're actually doing there, you, you're establishing what level of knowledge they know about the product and the service that you yeah. provide and also I mean it, it, what you touched on also is the finding out about the previous experiences they've had whether it's been good bad indifferent you know I mean what are the other factors that you try and find out as well I mean what made them call you you know that type of referral what are the things that you try and find out and why yeah, so the, the referral point's a really great one. I mean, I do a lot of business through referrals now. I'm really lucky that I've got a, a great referral network down here in Wellington of people who trust me, um, which is, is brilliant. And you can never really put too much, um, you can't put enough emphasis on that. That's it's really, really important. So if I do get a referral, I want to know who's referred me. And if someone has referred me, it's an opportunity to say thank you to them. Um, I guess other questions you want to know about previous experiences, why they chose to leave that person. So if they had a property manager in the past, what was it about that property manager that's made you leave me? Because if you had a great experience, you probably wouldn't be calling me. Um, have you had a track at doing it on your own and perhaps you don't understand enough mm. um, and you don't really want to use a property manager but you've just accepted that you actually don't understand the industry well enough and would rather just have someone take the stress away from you. So those are all sort of questions that you can lead into and once you've got that, that's, it's dynamite. I think Nicky always says, you know, you've got to be the, the doctor and the policeman. So you've got to be the policeman and the detective and ask the question and find out where it hurts. Yeah. And then be the doctor and, and give it the solution. So be the policeman and oh, the doctor. And that's that's a fantastic analogy. Now, in terms of, you know, you, you turn up, you're doing your listing presentation or whatever. I mean, typically, you know, how does that, how does that work? It, you know, how long do you take? And is it different for different clientele? I mean, you know, what sort of detail do you go into? Um, what are the things that you try and build while you're there? How does a listing presentation work in your eyes, Jack? I think it's a moving target, really, isn't it? Um, I mean, depending on who I'm dealing with at the time, depends on how much detail I go into, how much depth I go into. 
I'll often start a listening presentation by asking what's important to them when they're making their decision. Um, you can pretty much always assume that they've contacted another property manager. If they've rung you, they've probably rung someone else. And so I just say, look, oh, it's, it's not my job to come in here and, and do another property management spiel. Um, I want to know what's important to you. And I want to know why you're going to make your decision on which property manager you go with. And if it's not me, at the end of the day, that's, that's totally fine. Um, I want you to be able to trust who you go with. And sort of leading them down the path of, do you trust me? Yeah. Um, but then you find out what's important to them. If someone says fees, straight away, you know, you've got to keep things concise, get to the point, um, and, and don't, don't bullshit for one of the better phrase. Yeah. Um, make sure that you keep an keep honest with people, get to the point, keep it nice and succinct. But if you get someone who basically says, look, we've never done this before, um, we don't really know what we're looking for, then it's at that point that you can ask a few more questions, but go into some more depth and, and more detail. I mean, you were two young lads, yourself, Harrison, Vaughan, you know, I mean, in an industry which was dominated probably by older people, you know, my age and, and, yeah. and above. I mean, you know, yes, you've got a big, powerful brand behind you, but you're starting on a zero base. And you did it by what I could see. And look, when I go around the country and I look at the management fees that companies achieve, your management fee, even now, years into it, it's significantly higher how can a young lad who was I don't, you know were you 21 22 23 at the age of you doing this yeah yeah. 21 22 yeah. yeah how could you convert people uh, a percentage higher or more than other competitors are doing with such a lack of experience it's a phenomenal achievement I mean how do you get around yeah, the objection I think if you believe in what you're doing and you, you think you've got a great product, you probably deliver it with a lot of confidence. I knew for a fact going into a, 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 an appraisal or a presentation early on that we were going to be able to deliver on that particular product or, or promise that we'd given. And, and the reason I knew that is because it was just with yourself and Harrison, as you say. Yeah. Um, and so we were in control of it. Um, we knew what we were building was great. We had great support from people like yourself. Um, we had lots of other inputs from experienced property managers that we worked quite closely with. Um, that told us what we were doing was, was fantastic and I think when you deliver that with confidence it adds a value to the client and when you add value the things don't really matter if I'm half a percent or a percent or one and a half percent higher than my nearest competitor if the customer likes me they value the product and they can see that we're going to make a difference in their life through purchasing that product yeah it's a no-brainer so if I'm a landlord Jack really come across that objection so Jack if I'm a landlord though and I say look you know I've been to see real IQ rentals and they're, they're saying seven and a half percent you're saying eight and a half percent what, what's your kind of I mean you're on the spot here a little bit and it is it's, but how would you how would you challenge uh, me as a, as, as a landlord or a vendor on, on that thing yeah. so I'd start by challenging you before you even realise that it was going to be an objection so fees are always 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 an objection from everyone partly because landlords like to feel that they can get a deal um, but also I think because we're in a numbers game and that's what we need to remember is that this is investment property and the more outgoings that a landlord has the smaller is his profit at the end of the year so I'd always sort of preempt that at the start. So when I was in my presentation, I'd get out the page with our fees on and I'd say, look, a lot of companies do it this way, where they'll charge you X percent and then they'll charge you lots of little bits and pieces throughout the course of the year. 
I take it like most other people I speak to, that's what you found in your experience from property managers, right? You know, give it a yep. Perfect. So that what we've done is actually a little bit different. So your initial outlay is slightly higher, and using words like slightly, you're not saying the initial outlay is higher. Our initial outlay is a little bit higher, um, but what you get throughout the course of the year is more included, and, and this is what we include. And then I'll go through and I'll run through everything that you're actually going to get for that fee. The beautiful thing is if you, you sit there and you say, well, what we found is, I don't know, X property management, real IQ rentals, we'll charge you 7.5%. We're slightly higher at 8%, but this is what you get. You get your inspections, you get your, um, get your tenant background checks, we'll do all your paperwork for you, we'll organise all your maintenance for you, we'll make sure you get your invoice. By the time you finish the list of what you do, they've forgotten what you said about charging them, and they just see how much value they're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, you, 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 you use technology um, you know, the, the, the points of differences that you had compared to, I mean, does that, you know, give you that extra confidence knowing that you've got things like 360 degree viewings and, and using like maintenance apps such as Tappy and things like that, which can add that value? Yeah, look, I'm a, I love cars, right, as you know. Um, and the analogy that I always sort of pulled it back to when we were having our in, in-house meetings about prices was Mercedes. Mercedes never have a sale on, ever. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't negotiate on their price. Their price is their price because they know what value they bring, whether that's the new technology that they're bringing or whether it's the experience through the engineering that they've done to, to build this brilliant car. And we basically wanted to put ourselves in, in that bracket. We've got great technology, we've got a great product, we've got the support to be able to provide a brilliant service. Um, and, and so why should we negotiate? Why should we, you know, sort of cut down our fees um, when we're giving so much more than, than other people? Can we just touch on today now and sales and, and just get your opinion because yeah. you're new to sales you're, you're a relative rookie to the real estate you know um, what changes are we going to see post um, lockdown and, and when we get a sense of normality I mean open homes they're clearly they're not going to open they're not going to happen for a foreseeable time how do you see the future yeah. of transactions with property yeah, um, I would have checked the crystal ball, but I left it in a different bubble, so I haven't got it. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to change, isn't it? I think, um, like you say, open homes, then they're off the cards for the foreseeable. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think the, the real estate agents that can adapt the best are probably going to be the ones that come out of it smelling like roses. Um, we're going to see a lot more virtual stuff, a lot more video tutorials, I think, of houses. You're going to see a lot more um, sort of buyers making more research before they go and see a house. Um, whether that's wanting to look at information packs, whether that's doing online viewings of other things and what they've sold for in the area, whether that's you know walking through a house online or, or seeing live open homes where people are streaming open homes through Facebook or whatever it might be. So that's certainly going to be a huge change. So streaming open um, homes, think- streaming open homes through Facebook. So, like what we're doing yeah. here, you're actually you're going to be taking people through a house and, and showing all, answering all yeah. the questions. Yeah, it'll be a bit cliche American real estate agent of you know, here's the bathroom, here's the bedroom, this is it. But I think that's probably what a lot of people are going to start doing. Um, because, like I say, I mean, if we've got 65, 70 people that often come to open homes, that's a lot of people, and that's going to be a lot of private appointments. So, to be able to give purchases a platform to view a house find out if they're going to like the look of it before you actually even got to the property 
then you know you're, you're, you're dealing with some some qualified purchases when they want to book some private appointments. Interesting, interesting. Does, does does this mean that you know real estate agents are actually going to have a life again? You know that the weekends are going to have the weekends that you can go onto the golf course and do the family stuff. Is it going to become a Monday to Friday, or is it still going to be a um, you know that twenty four seven you know high energy, high paced? What's going to? What do you think will transpire? Actually, in the job description, mate, that you're not allowed to life um, 24-7. <laughs> um, no, look, I think it's going to be um, much of the same, to be honest with you. I still think it's going to be seven days a week. And the reason that I say that is if open homes don't exist, um, we're going to be private appointment-based. And private appointments, by nature, have to be done with someone. And a lot of people work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. So while you can get people out and about, through Monday to Friday for a couple of appointments, maybe nice quick ones. I think you're probably going to see a lot more appointment-driven viewings um, of houses, and that's going to mean Saturday, Sundays, where, where people are available probably, would be would be my assumption of it. And I think the example we spoke about a couple of days ago was open homes where we've got potentially 30 or 40 groups coming to an open home. That's 80 people. So then to try and fit... 80 individual private appointments into, or even you know, if they come together, 40 um, into Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. It's going to be pretty difficult if you've got multiple listings. Do you think the volumes are going to, we're still going to do the same amount as volumes, like pre, I mean, again, it's the crystal ball, it's, no one knows, do they? No one really knows. What does it go tell you? Look, I think we're going to be fine, um, especially in Wellington. I've heard a stat from the 2018 census that 43% of all the people in Wellington are employed by the government. Yeah. Um, which is, is, is you know, going to provide some stability. Um, obviously, we've got some brilliant stuff that's come out from the Reserve Bank, 47 billion put into the market for banks to be able to lend. Um, the OCR is down at 0.25%, yeah. which is the lowest it's been for a significant amount of time. So the, the environment's being created for, for people to lend and, and, and borrow money um, for housing. And again, people will always look for somewhere to live. Um, it's this key dream of, of home ownership, which is, is, is great. You know, it's a, it's a good thing to work towards for sure. So I think the, the market might suffer a little bit, might be a little bit slower to, to start, to, to kick off, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. But after that, once it's slowed down too much, and a large part of that's sort of pending from the, the lack of supply. We've just not got enough listings in Wellington. Okay, okay. So, I mean, you've been quite busy, haven't you, in the lockdown? You know, we've been doing a couple of things together. Tell us what we've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, obviously, I've um, been approached by, by yourself to, to start to put together a bit of a business development management course. Um, something that we've been talking about for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but it's basically, a, I say, of course, it's almost like a bit of a, a guideline, really, for, for whether you're starting out in business development or whether you've been doing it for a little while or you just want to get better at it. Um, put together a couple of techniques that, that I use and, and that have helped me in the past in terms of how you can sell to people and just a couple of ideas of, of what people might be able to do to push the business forward really yeah and that's going to be available on the Real IQ website via the academy that's something that we've been working on quietly in the background um, we have talked about it for a long time haven't we Jack but you've just been killing sales so much you've not had the time where now we've decided that right yeah. this is the perfect time to get on with this project yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, it's one of these ones as well where, as you pointed out to me in some previous conversations, a lot of people are realizing now that property management is a really solid place to put some investment in terms of building a business because in times like this, it's, it has less impact on, yeah. on your, 
on your income. So if you're able to build and grow a portfolio and, uh, and sort of really push that forward, then you're going to be set for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at a long stake, hopefully around about the spring, that we'll, we'll have that ready for. So we're putting that together at yeah, the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, Jack, it's been, you know, one of the things to also say about what you've done and done really well is, the, is your blogs and the content blogs that you used to write, which would go out in the Tommy's Lifestyle magazine and you build up your person, your profile that way. So as much as anything from a BDMI look at it, you're creating a brand within a brand. Is that a fair assumption to make as well? Yeah, totally. I think it's, you want to, I mean, everyone always wants to, to look like they know what they're doing, don't they? Um, but blogs and free content is a nice way to establish yourself for someone who, who potentially does know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and just even offer an opinion. Again, people feel like they're getting to know you before they actually meet you. So if someone's been reading blogs for a year, or if someone's been watching your videos online for a year, by the time you actually get around to, to catch up with them and, and sit down in front of them, they feel like they know you and you, you've got a, a sort of a, a more stable base to start from, really. Yeah, that's great. That's great, mate. Well, listen, um, we appreciate you, you know, everything you've done with us and, and what you've done at Tommy's um, and the success. It's great to see your career develop the way it has. Thanks so much for just taking time out in your bubble. Uh, it's good to have family around you in those difficult times. You certainly don't want to be living on your own in difficult times. Thanks, Jack Vale. Thanks for joining us. Keep yourself safe. And we will see you soon, mate. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Bye.